hilarious video to show you all as my sermon illustration, but as sometimes technology uh, revolts against us, it did that this morning, and so I will post that video on our Facebook page later today, um, but it is a hilarious video called, entitled on YouTube, entitled Company is Coming, created by a, um, a comedian, and it is a mother, and she is preparing for the holidays. And she is marching around the house, barking at her family. She is saying things like, this place needs to look like Disney on ice in one minute. She's like, everybody, if you haven't made your beds, throw them out. It's too late. She's walking around saying, throw out all the couches. We don't want people to know that we sit. It's just ridiculous how frantic she is. And yet, if you have ever prepared for company to come to your house, you may resonate with some of the energy. At one point, she picks up her vacuum over her head, turns it on, and screams a blood-curling scream. Having company come can be stressful. And it's the holiday season. So many of us have had or will have house guests at some point in the coming weeks. And as hectic as it can be, and, you know, as this woman says, you know, we need those pillows fluffed, we need those pillows puffed, it can also give us an opportunity to decenter ourselves and to think about those that we care about, that we're going to host, and what their needs are, and what their wants are, and who they are. It's a special practice to be intentional about our loved ones, and hospitality helps us do all kinds of things, from having our Fridges stocked for their favorite beers, to thinking about what they might want to do during the day while they're visiting us. In our gospel this morning, we see John the Baptist being the hostess with the mostest, creating space and preparing for the coming Messiah. But instead of storming around the house and cleaning and fluffing pillows and puffing pillows, he invited people into repentance. He did not do the kinds of things that we would expect, but he prepared exactly what was needed for the coming one, prophesying a new day into existence, one dominated by open hearts, a clean break from the religious traditions that were oppressing people, and full reliance on God. One of the things I love about this scripture is that it shows the way that the, that the Spirit inspired humanity to participate in the work of God. As a pastor, I appreciate that, right? Jesus is not in his scripture. We see reference to him all over the place with the coming one language. But what we see this morning is the prep work. We can learn a lot about who Jesus is from the preparation that the Spirit prompted for his arrival. The way that the Spirit prepared for, for Jesus was different than probably what we would do, right? Like we think, why didn't Johnny B go to the local faith community and decorate for the arrival of, the plan, of, of, this, of Jesus and plan an elaborate religious service? That's what it seems like he should have done. Why didn't he line up dignitaries and officials for the grand welcome? He should have called the local news, to cover the event, he should have done a social media push to create hype and energy about this impending arrival. But he did not do those things. Because he was preparing for the, God, for the incarnate God, we see more about what God cares about. And 
doesn't care about. God does not care, for example, about religious pedigree. John said, do not tell me that you're descendants of Sarah and Abraham. God doesn't care if your great-granddaddy was on a charter member. God doesn't care if you have your name on one of these pews. God can raise up children of Sarah and Abraham from these stones. What God wants is your repentance and your open heart. In like manner, God does not care about how long we have been working on what we consider God's work. God is ready with an axe to cut it all down if it does not reflect love, grace, and resurrection. I feel like John the Baptist kind of enjoyed all these, these messages. Why do you think the American church is dwindling? There's a lot of talk about it. A lot of talk about it in the church. A lot of talk about it in leadership. Do you really think that it's because people are not interested in God? Or do you think that it might be because the church isn't? We have to look in the mirror. And John gives us a beautiful opportunity to do that this morning. The compelling thing about what we do as Christians is not how big our programs are or how on point our worship is or how beautiful our sanctuary is. It is about what we do in Christ's love and power for the most vulnerable in our midst. That is the only true marker of Christendom, of how inspired by the Spirit we are to do the work of God. People will not be drawn to a club that is obsessed with its own traditions. They will be drawn to the revolutionary work of the Spirit and people ignited by the fire of God to love others without counting out. In John's prep work, we also see that God doesn't really care about those in power. God could care less about earthly power. God is concerned with justice and fairness and goodness and abundance for all of God's creation. And it's so funny to me how difficult it was for John the Baptist to accept the religious leaders, right? They came to him. They were like, hey, we're here. And he's like, you snakes. He didn't want to mess around with them. But he did accept them begrudgingly and with threats in true John fashion, but welcomed them in to baptism. Another difference between our sensibilities and God's is that God doesn't care about location. If they wanted to really appeal to those who had that sort of religious sense about them, they would have done this in the heart of the city, right? Right at the temple. But instead, John was out in the chaos of the wilderness, outside of any jurisdiction, outside of any earthly comfort or power, and he did not have Postmates or DoorDash bringing him food from the local market. He relied on what God provided in the desert, locusts, honey. He wore clothing that reflected this as well. I can guarantee you his gross hair shirts were not in style then, now, or any time in between. He did not play the game of pageantry, consumerism, or vanity. So if we can learn all of this about the Messiah, from the preparations that the Spirit inspired John to do. What does it tell us 
about how to prepare the way of God this Advent. Make no mistake, we, like John so long ago with his gross outfits and questionable eating habits, are tasked with making way for Christ in the world. Advent is our reminder that we are the ones that will birth God's holy love here, now, in San Antonio, Texas. We are the body of Christ. Not some sweet, tiny baby anymore, but this ragtag group of oily, awkward humans that must work together if we are to truly make space for God's reign. We can do it. I believe in us, and so does God. And the crucial first step is opening our hearts to God's truth, repenting and drawing near to the Spirit of God, understanding that there are things that need to be axed out, and that's okay, because we will be free. God's will is not a burden. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. It invites us into freedom, into joyful service, into love. <coughs> do not be afraid to do the work, y'all. Your heart is God's first home. Remember that. If you don't hear anything else today, remember that. Your heart is God's home. You bring God wherever you step. It's our work to do individually, in our own lives, and then together, joyfully, led by the Spirit to create the conditions that promote healing, restoration, and resurrection. Church, how can we be hospitable to God? Not by fluffing pillows, but through the courageous and revolutionary work that God calls us to do. Let's bring Jesus into our lives and world this Advent. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, Lo, how a rose air blooms.